to myth take episode 14 14 we're yeah. they're starting to add up yes absolutely all right it's been a while it has it yeah. has been a while um but we well we're doing this one we're recording on a sunday which is a little unusual right the timing is excellent but we wanted to get this one out for tomorrow so that you can enjoy some of this spooky i don't know maybe you need a last minute halloween costume idea to maybe? get in the mood yeah 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 so happy Halloween! Um, are you dressing up for anything? As anything, Darren? Uh, no, I'm going as a clone of myself. Yeah, that's that's that's, about it. that's very good. Yeah. Um, one year mm -hmm. when I was in university, mm -hmm. um, I dressed up in a peplos. I made myself a peplos, oh, and that's nice. a whole bunch of us dressed up in Drafty. our. It was actually a really mild October, oh, so it was okay. not that bad. And I, I had More clothing, clothing I had clothing on underneath it. Uh -huh. um, I still have my peplo somewhere though, oh, so okay. I could always uh, pull it out in a pinch, I suppose. But um, it really, it, it takes a couple of people to really <laughs> get you in one to get and you get in you one, one and to get it nicely. Getting out is is a little bit easier, but to get it all properly pinned and draped, it really, <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not. It builds. It takes easiest. community. It takes community. It takes a community. You yeah. have to a couple of medics, maybe, maybe yeah. After, yeah, a slave or two yeah. to help you get in and out of it would be very helpful. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Same thing with ar with armor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So some status there yeah. associated yeah. with that. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. You have to have people to dress you. Yeah. Right? There was no real costume for tonight's episode though no. no but it could serve as inspiration because we are going to um stay on this kind of the last three episodes have all been related to the underworld in some respect they have i was thinking about that yeah. you know and that's been kind of more accidental really. yes it certainly yeah. wasn't intentional we just no. happened to do pluto and then ceres and both mm -hmm. of those have, uh, well pluto obviously hades and right. then uh, ceres has strong connections with with the underworld as well mm -hmm. so we thought tonight that we would look at a couple of our favorite uh spookier um snippets sure. from from mythology there are lots of spookyish snippets to choose from yeah to deal with the supernatural and the paranormal yeah yeah um so lots of that stuff in myth um mm -hmm. so do feel free to uh, send us your suggestions of what you think is a spooky mythology story or theme and maybe next year we'll uh, next year <laughs> next year if we're still doing this we'll yeah. uh, we'll we'll include we'll it on the it. list <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i'm just curious to know what, what what people would choose absolutely so um I each of us chose a passage. Yes. Um, I chose um, from the Odyssey, uh, Book Eleven, at the very start of the of the of Book Eleven, mm -hmm. the midpoint of the entire Odyssey, right. when Odysseus does his necromancy and visits the underworld. Oh yeah, and you chose. That's a good one. That's very popular, not. Yes. Oh. And you chose. I chose Apollonius Rhodius's Argonautica section of of that dealing with. The occult with uh, Medea and Hecate, and um, it's the uh, it's a scene that is deals with Jason and Medea, their their encounter, her function as a helper maiden. There's all kinds of interesting things. So it describes a ritual. So I think it's it's good. This is third century Hellenistic. 
Um, it's much later, uh, of course, than the Archaic Odyssey, but um, the two t the two selections, and this again is accidental, because the two selections do have a, a connected uh, connective tissue, mm. right? Because they're both describing. Um, how to commune. Rituals of the underworld. Yeah. Right. How to um, call on chthonic yeah. beings right. um, and get help. Sure. Invocation, right? Invocation yeah. and, and, and ritual. Summoning. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. I'm very glad that you chose those ones on oh. Medea, of course. Yeah, okay. Um, because she she's is near my, and dear to your heart? She is. She's one of my favorite, mm -hmm. uh, well, well I, I my I, most favorite, perhaps, even. Again, Close second with Clytemnestra. That would have been a good again, one. Again, very yeah. Well, that was of course the fury scene in, yeah. of, in the uh, Humanities is yeah. um, or no, it's the beginning of the Humanities. Yeah, it's at the beginning yeah. of the Humanities. I think would have been a quite a frightful, cr frightful thing to see, right? Of course, but yeah, we didn't include that. So, anyways, but lots you, of choices. Yeah, so you, <laughs> too many you're, choices. you're on there about Medea, and I, I myself will say, you know, I, I, I too enjoy Medea as a character uh, in myth and a fascinating figure. Uh, but I, I'm on the Jason side of things more though, more often than not, and I find myself as an apologist for Jason constantly. <laughs> but uh, uh, he's he's in he's in this book uh, yeah. quite a bit. He does figure prominently. Yep, yep, he yeah. does. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then why don't we approach these in chronological order and have a look at the Odyssey first? Okay, and then um, move over to look at Medea and Jason from the Argonautica. Right. So, Does do we need good? to set? Do we need to set it up, or we're we just going to have a read um, first, and then we'll talk about it? Or how do you feel? Uh, let's set this up a little bit. All right. Um, so, we are, as I said, we're in the midpoint of the Odyssey, mm -hmm. and Odysseus has just left Circe's mm -hmm. island. Mm -hmm. And have we talked about Circe? I don't think we've done. We haven't done an episode on her yet. No, her we, her we, name we... came up somewhere. I remember, but sure. She she certainly deserves her own episode at, right. at some point. Yeah. Um, and Circe has told Odysseus that he must visit Hades, mm -hmm. the kingdom of Hades, um, to find the blind prophet Tiresias, who right. has died, um, because Tiresias has the knowledge that Odysseus needs to get back home. Right. So, Circe sends them off in their ship. Right. And that's where I am going to pick up at line <laughs> like 13. Line I gotta 13. Count the, I'm trying to count the little numbers here. I'm going to pick that this, up at line 13. And this is a great section, too, because uh, like Allison uh, accurately recorded, um, it is in the middle of the narrative, and, and it has lots of folktale motifs, too. The idea that you can actually travel to the underworld, and this is the Nekusis, right? This is the Book of the Dead. So this section is unlike any other section. This book is unlike any other books in this story. You go out and you come back, right? So, yeah, we're, okay. we're going to take a look at we it will, now. Okay. This is archaic period, right? For, for whatever. Yeah. Okay. Our ship made the limit, which is of the deep running ocean. There lie the community and city of Chimerian people, hidden in fog and cloud. Nor does Helios, the radiant sun, ever break through the dark to illuminate them with his shining. Neither when he climbs up into the starry heaven, nor when he wheels to return again from heaven to earth. But always a glum night is spread over wretched mortals. Making this point, we ran the ship ashore and took out the sheep, and ourselves walked along by the stream of the ocean until we came to that place of which Circe had spoken. 
There Pyramides and Eurylochus held the victims fast, and I, drawing from beside my thigh my sharp sword, dug a pit of about a cupid each in each direction, and poured it full of drink offerings for all the dead, first honey mixed with milk, and the second pouring with sweet wine, and the third water, and over it all I sprinkled white barley. I promised many times to the strengthless heads of the perished dead that, returning to Ithaca, I would slaughter a barren cow, my best, in my palace, and pile the pyre with treasures, and to Tiresias apart would dedicate an all-black ram, the one conspicuous in all our sheep flocks. Now when, with sacrifices and prayers, I had so entreated the hordes of the dead, I took the sheep and cut their throats over the pit, and the dark clouding blood ran in, and the souls of the perished dead gathered to the place up out of Erebus, brides and young unmarried men and long-suffering elders, virgins tender and with the sorrows of young hearts upon them, and many fighting men killed in battle, stabbed with brazen spears, still carrying their bloody armor upon them. These came swarming around my pit from every direction with inhuman clamor, and green fear took hold of me. Then I encouraged my companions and told them, taking the sheep that were lying by, slaughtered with the pitiless bronze, to skin these and burn them, and pray to the divinities, to Hades the powerful, and to revered Persephone, while I myself, drawing from beside my thigh my sharp sword, crouched there, and would not let the strengthless heads of the perished draw near to the blood, until I had questioned Tiresias. Oh, do you like the thunder we added in for I this like one? This. Yes, atmospheric effect. Yes, very yes. nice. All right. Yeah. Okay, so this is um, kind of spooky if you use your imagination with it and uh, try to uh, clam uh, conjure it up in your mind. Yes. And of course, for the ancients listening to this, that's, um, that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're making their own movies in their mind. Yeah, the mental epiphany, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at this point, as you alluded to already, Darren... Oh. Um, <laughs> Odysseus is at his farthest point away from life and from civilization. Yeah, that's right. Um, this is kind of the turning part where his journey turns around and then he starts to head back home mm -hmm. to Ithaca. Mm -hmm. um, so, very scary place. Yeah, it's a weird place. It's very otherworldly. You know, there's a connection I, I, in, in Homeric thought and archaic thought between great distance and, and the concept of death. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here in the modern sense, we don't, that doesn't work very well for us. But, uh, uh, but in the ancient mind, in the archaic mind, in the Homeric world, that, that great distance is, is, is synonymous with the idea of death. And that death is the undiscovered country, right, from mm -hmm. which no man returns. It's this one-way trip. It's the, it, but here we see Odysseus as the master mariner, right? He's able to navigate literally and metaphorically those waters of life, right, mm -hmm. to move into a state of death near the borders. He doesn't, you know, the, the precision of the language is such that he doesn't actually enter the underworld. No. No, he, no. He's, he's in that liminal space. Like, he's, on, he's on the very edge of it. Yeah, he's on the yeah. very, very edge of it, and he's, he's using this necromantic art that he learns from Circe in order to draw them out, right, to bring them to him so that he can communicate with them. Right, and uh, it's it's really fascinating in that in that regard, you know, because everyone says you know Odysseus's journey into the underworld. Well, technically, that isn't entirely accurate. He does not go into the underworld, you know. He he's just at he, the, he's he just opens on the edge up, he, of it. He he creates an opening yeah. between him and the underworld. Yeah. 
Um, and, and even the place that this, this sorry, I didn't mean yeah, to cut you yeah, off, no, but no. even the place where he is here, of course, is is beyond, you know, it's distance, it's so far, like this land where the Chimerians live is a There's, land of perpetual night. Yeah. Right? It, Helios's light doesn't obscure the cloud and mist. It's, it, it is it, a realm of darkness. Mm-hmm. Right, so we're already in a sort of a magical fairy tale type uh, environment, right? The Chimerians or the Sumerians is it? Would that be a hard kappa? I guess, right? Yeah. So it'd be Chimerians. Yeah. The Chimerians are 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 only referenced here, right? But that, yeah. That's it. There's there. You don't hear anything else about them, at least not at this particular thing, and that's where Odysseus and his men are, and they're doing serious work. This ritual requires process. Right? They, yes. They need to do things, and they need to be done in the proper order in a very particular manner. Right? That's what I would say. Yes, and you don't want to mess things up when you're dealing with these Chthonic um, forces and, and ritual. And that's something that will come up in the Argonautica section that ties in with this, too. Right? So one of the reasons that we know that he is the, that Odysseus is the farthest point away is that they are at the streams of ocean. Right. And for the ancient Greeks, um, they, of course, were the center of their map. Mm-hmm. And they had the Mediterranean. Right. And then kind of a, they envisioned the world um, like a as a pond. circle. Yeah. yeah. And all around the outside of this circle ran a river called Ocean. Yeah. And God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Also also personified as, as, as a God. Mm-hmm. Um, so... They they have come to the stream of ocean, yeah, yeah. and the there's the no disc. there's no further there's no further place that they can go. Yeah, you're at the edge of their cosmological model, right? Yeah. So um, they have un- they have brought their own sheep with them <laughs> to perform this this sacrifice. Yeah, and victims. Yeah. Yep. So they take the victims, mm-hmm. and um, there's there's a process here that that Odysseus goes through. So mm-hmm. first of all, he digs a pit about a cubit in each direction. Yeah, a, cubit. And a, a cubit's about what a foot, a foot and a half. Well, it's a distance. It's like one of those odd sort yeah, of biblical things. I think it's yeah. a distance from like your elbow to the top of your fist. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So this of course, I don't change because different people, different sizes, right? But I don't know. Let's say three feet by three no. feet or something. That's like maybe no, that? it's only you no. Know, he says a cubit in each direction, so oh, okay. it's more like a foot and a half. Oh, okay, so not very direction. large. Yeah. This is not a huge. No. this is not a huge um, undertaking. No. So he digs a pit, mm-hmm. and then he pours out libations, which right. are liquid offerings to the gods. Totally. Um, you're, you're probably familiar with burnt offerings, where the smoke goes up to the gods. That's liquid right. offerings go down into the ground. That's right. And so you see the association with libations mm-hmm. and. Um, Dead people and mm-hmm. chthonic forces right. pouring it out into the ground. Yeah, um, hero cult. It's a big, big section of hero cult, right? Liquid offerings are given into the earth, right? Um, and that's one one of those methods of communication between men and gods, of course, right? Thanks to Dionysus, mm-hmm. his introduction of libation. Learn about that in Euripides' play. Talks about that, right? Dionysus says, "I take credit for that," right? So, well, I was just going to point out mm-hmm. that um, the next line specifies what these what these liquid offerings oh, are, yes. and they are Dionysus's liquids. Yeah, they're yeah. so they're liquid life. The li- um, life, yeah. Exactly. They represent yeah. Um, the liquids of life, life and yeah. fertility yeah. and that kind of thing. So, yeah. honey mm-hmm. mixed with milk, yes, and then wine, yes. And then he pours in water. This is sort of the vital uh, juices, the vital fluids of life. Fluids of yeah, life. Yeah. Exactly. And then he um, sprinkles in uh, white barley, 
Right. And barley is um, is something I know that we see in animal sacrifice mm -hmm. that they sprinkle barley um, on on the Any head of or around the head mm -hmm. of the animal that they're going to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I was told I could be a little bit fuzzy with this, sure. but that the animal had to acquiesce to its slaughter. And yeah. so the way to get the animal to nod was yeah. to get it to basically yeah, they all liked it. Yeah. put its head down and eat the barley. Yeah, or go um, out and look at it or whatever. So you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but, but barley is certainly um, something that we see being used there as well. And again, yeah. life, seed, sure. um, death and life. We yeah. talked about that with, yeah. with Demeter and the sowing of grain and that. The seed dies, and then life life comes out of it. Yeah, the men during the during the great famine, the men throw barley seed on the earth to no avail. Yeah. Right, because so they're trying to plant themselves. Right. So then um, there are prayers to the dead. I guess is what I would call this this next phase of his ritual. Mm -hmm. This is ne um, necromancy. Yeah. So Odysseus promises many times to the strengthless heads of the parish dead mm -hmm. that returning to Ithaca. I would slaughter a barren cow, my best, and pile up the pyre with treasures, and to Tiresias apart would dedicate an all-black ramp. Right. So he's promising the specific sacrifices to yeah. them when he returns to Ithaca. Right, above and beyond what he's about to do just then and there. Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to do this thing, but and also just to add to it, when I get back home, I'll do this other thing. Right. So it's... it's and I it's kind another of, layer. I wonder here if part of that is... as kind of a self-protection yeah. policy for him oh, like yeah. saying like i'm gonna like it's pretty cagey yeah it's a good you way know, of looking at like, it because if i don't get out of here you won't get those things that i promised exactly yeah. exactly because it does set it up yeah right it does set that up it's it kind of like his life insurance policy it, it is here. a life insurance policy i like the way of looking at it that way yeah. and not only does it, it does it add that interpretive element it also sets up the idea that you know um it's a foreshadow like a proleptic vision he's looking mm -hmm. ahead on yet something that we don't know if he's going to get back home, but he's saying, well, when I do get back home, it determine, it's his determination, right? Here he is at this, this place, and, and already, e even in this scary situation, he's thinking about getting back home, right? Yes. That there's duty, honor, and responsibility. And that, that duty, honor, and responsibility here actually folds into the underworld as well, which I kind of find fascinating. I, I like the idea that's being communicated in, in this section um, of the sort of the notion of archaic thought that the dead are themselves a vast storehouse of information mm -hmm. uh, and that they, that they um, have some utility. So the necromantic arts are um, one of those sort of, uh, in, in ancient Greek religion, one of those qualities of divination, right, uh, that you can call on for information. Mm -hmm. right? And there are many other ways that this manifests now, itself. Now, though, something, there are limitations to that. Of course. So Tiresias was a prophet yes. in life, and he has since died. But, he, but before he died, he had knowledge that Odysseus needed. And yeah. we'll notice a little later that, as, that once Odysseus starts talking with the spirits, they are asking him for information of what has happened oh, since yes. they have died. So they only know what they know up until when they die. The, yeah. And then, at, at least at least in this instance, I would say. And then they don't know what's happened since. Uh, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Cause, yeah, sure, why not? Cause, yeah. But they, the, the thing is about Tiresias, he's a little bit unique in the sense that he's been given a special dispensation to maintain his identity in the, in the land of the dead. Whereas all these other ones, they, they don't have it. It's a, it's a vastly, it's a, it's a commodity 
that, that fades very quickly after, after the time of death. And the degree of fade, right, uh, is uh, directly dependent upon the degree of charge, let me put it that way. Yeah. So if you were a, a, a glorious warrior with a great deal amount of with a great deal of fame and chaos associated. You won't with you. fade so fast. You won't fade so fast, right? Uh, but if you're just a, a or if schmo, you just, or if you just die, yeah, or yours will still die. be kind of fresh. Right. Which, which is, what which you is get. jumping over. Yeah, which um, is what you get. But yeah. it explains the yeah. variation in knowledge that yeah. these beings have. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and these are basically zombies. Sure, yeah. That are zombies. coming out of the underworld. Yeah. Um, he talks, well, he describes them as the strengthless heads of the perished dead. Yeah. Um, I, can, I like that, that description. Mm-hmm. Um, strengthless heads. Yeah, like there's not really, yeah. there's not much to them. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I see them as more spectral, like more ghost-like. Yeah. Than, than yeah. like rotted animated corpses a la zombies. Yes, uh, but, I agree with you yeah. on that. But it's that same, that same kind of idea because yeah. of what happens next, right. which, which I want to get to. Well, we want to use that term too. Yeah. Okay. Um, which term? Oh, uh, Revenant. Oh, Revenant, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, that's a wonderful term. Um, so after Odysseus has done the sa- sacrifices and prayers, yeah. um, that's when he then takes the sheep and he cuts their throats, slits their throats, right. and their blood runs into the pit, into the pit that yeah. he made, and he describes the souls of the parish dead gathering up out of Erebus and all of the different um, ages of, of, of these people. Yes, and. He says, they came swarming around my pit from every direction with inhuman clamor. Yeah. Um, they are, they want, the, and, th- and this, is why, this is why I say yeah. they're like zombies. Yeah. They want, they need this blood yeah. to revitalize themselves sure. and to talk with, talk with Odysseus. Because it's the blood of the victim, right? It's that juice, it's that yeah. life force. And again, blood, liquid life. Yeah, and right. blood is... It's one of those liquids ultimate. that went into the pit with, yeah. with the honey and the milk and the well, wine. Well, now yes, now now yeah. it goes now it goes in, into the pit. It's a very so, powerful, enervating thing. It's giving them life. It's a, it's a soup. Yeah, yeah. So Odysseus has his men um, skin and burn the um, the rest of the sheep and yeah. pray to Hades and Persephone. Yeah, <laughs> I would totally be. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, and then... Um, oh, that'd be interesting. Okay, yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, he's like, you're dealing with some scary stuff here, and yeah. Hades and Persephone are, like, this is their kingdom, right? Absolutely. These are their their people in their kingdom, right? right. So they are the ones they're, in charge of them. They're citizens, they're citizens. So you yeah. need Hades and Persephone on your side, I think, sure. for, for this kind of thing. You got it. Um, and then... Are they mentioned in name, by name here? Yeah. Okay. Right. Hades the powerful and to revered Persephone. Oh, uh, got it, yes. Um, and then... Did you? Oh, and then finally, yeah. Odysseus um, draws his sword, mm-hmm. and he fends off, or he tries to prevent these uh, the the strengthless heads of the parish dead once yes. again um, from Ghosts. drawing near to the blood. Mm. Tiresias has to be the first to drink. Mm. Um, That's my ghost. So story. that <laughs> so that Odysseus can get the information he needs. Yeah, well, that's the ultimate goal, right? Yep. That's the quest. This yep. is, we need this one guy. That, the, yeah. the the underworld here is literally bursting with people. Yes. And and they're they're so with close. Everybody who ever lived. Right. And did you notice too his description of these people? Look at the qualities of the first ones he mentions. I find that fascinating. Brides? Yes. Young unmarried men. Yes. Long suffering elders. Right. Virgins. Right. 
uh, tender with the swords, and many fighting men and killed in fighting battle. Men, right. So the warriors come last, right? But the first ones are the brides and the women and the young maidens, right? Who have met the more untimely tragic, ends. The more very tragic, tragic. Yeah. yeah. And it also makes you think about what's going on back in Ithaca with his wife, yes. right? And who will he find when he when he, when he you know, metaphorically, Apocalypto, right? Moves the veil and looks yeah. into the underworld. You don't know what it's going to be like. Like that that moment of, of revelation. Like you're doing all the things that you're supposed to do. But there's... It, when he talks about green fear, yes. right? Like Odysseus is a great warrior, a great mariner. He's um, been through so he's been many through, scary uh, many things. things. And things do not frighten him usually, right? Like... To, just to be on the Trojan battlefield alone, right? And to face off against these monsters that he does and so on, Polyphemus and the Lystragonians, and take your pick. But mm -hmm. here, the green fear, right? The panic, it seizes them. It's, you can't escape it, you know? It's, it's, it's something, of course, it's just something supernatural. I just wanted yeah. to make a statement about, yeah. about that. But it's also interesting um, that when he... It, he's the leader of this expedition. Yes. Um, and even though he is consumed with fear, mm -hmm. he turns and encourages his companions yeah. Um, yeah. to not be afraid. Steady but, up, he boys. Them, it's yeah. actually a really brilliant leadership strategy. Uh -huh. He gives them something useful to do mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> in the situation, yeah. right? Look, so Get busy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And get get busy with something that kind of... Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it would take their minds off of it well, or not. Well, it's a good observation. Something, yeah. something to do because you don't want to dwell on it. You because dwell then on you're not it. exactly. Then, yeah. then, then you're not dwelling on it. Yeah. And of course, I think too, like um, you know, that fear may be part of why there's these um, this extra uh, these extra offerings to Hades and and, and Persephone. Um, What's well, done right? Because well, you need their help. Yeah, yeah. He's he is unleashing the mm -hmm, dead, mm -hmm. and if it, if the situation mm -hmm. gets out of control, um, who like who knows what's going to happen? Totally. And and the other thing that struck me too was, well, if the, you know, it was, if they're ghosts, right? And when you just say that, like that word is, but they're not ghosts. It, uh, well, this is it. But like if I say they're ghosts, right? Or if I say they're specters or, or phantoms, or I use a more weirder, esoteric word because. As soon as you say that, like that, that word ghost communicates worlds to an audience, right? Like yeah. everyone thinks they know what that is, but if, like, for lack of a better word, like we could just say revenants because then not a lot of people have that, know what that really means, but they're, they're revenant spirits, right? They're animated, right? They, they come towards from the land of the dead. They're coming to this, this ritual, right? To, to um, consume the blood. Right of mm -hmm. the sacrificial victims to give themselves a taste of life because they are they are in death right they don't they're on the other side of things and they lose their identity they lose their their self control even because it says that they act in an inhuman manner like yeah. flies around a pail With of milk clamor. yeah you know what I mean they they this swarming uh, swarm yeah they're swarming so they themselves are not in control of their faculty and they're doing things that to depict would be would be frightening right seeing yeah. these pale-faced people right for well, lack of a better word you know yeah. with blood dripping down their mouths right um sticking their heads in these pits consuming and that's right? why i liken them a bit too zombies yeah um because they're yeah they're frightening mm -hmm. and they're they're sort of 
there's some human element to them. There's right. something because because They're Odysseus easy. Odysseus can identify them, mm-hmm. and um, and I, and I want to talk a yeah. little bit about about sure. about that too. Um, but they're not they're not people. No, and they're not behaving in people yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Science. Yeah, um, they. Uh, <laughs> It's true. They're 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 doing things that are unexpected and, and of course supernatural and, mm-hmm. and magical. Um, and the thing that the reason why I mentioned it when talking about ghosts and specters just earlier on was you know Odysseus defends the pit with yes. the sword, and people would have questions and say things like, "Well, what does a, a mindless shade or a, or a uh, sort of a smoke like phantom care if a man we uh, you know stands over a pit and and waves a sword at me? I, I can't. I'm dead already. What threat is there to me? Right." I don't really have an answer for that. I don't either. I was you hoping know? you did. <laughs> well, you know, like, but, but it's still it's still a way to think about. It's part of yeah. the ritual. Like, yeah. there there are a number of, of things that are going on here that need to be accomplished in in a formulaic way. Yeah. And and in part of that instruction, that explicit instruction by Circe was to defend the pit, right, till you get what you want. Tiresias. Right. Yeah. So and and he does. Right, yeah. and they, and here's the other thing too, because if they do drink and they do want to, right, and they do eventually, and they do, right, th- that capacity, right, where they start to remember a little bit about what it was like when they were alive, mm-hmm. now that they're unalive, right, or they're undead, right, then they they will be they will understand that there will be a threat. Yes. Right. So they're acting in a manner that is lifelike, although. Probably they wouldn't be affected by the sword, but but there's some kind of memory there. There's that a memory the sword, there. Sword yeah. equals that danger. This is, yeah, the sword equals yeah. danger. There's a yeah. hero, and this is part of it. And I, I'm not allowed to approach. Right? Yeah. You know what they say? Defend it. Right? You defend. Yeah. Right? You call it out. Right? It's like all those sort of magical rituals and stuff that you get in in like Doctor Faustus and stuff where they're you, you where. like simple people defend themselves against the devil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Things like that, just by by. You know, calling out a magic word or something, right? Some of those yeah. types of things. So, there's power in it, but you've 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 got to be committed to it because if you break your concentration, or you break the formula, then you open yourself up for attack. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, now I ended the reading at line fifty. Yeah. Um, I would love to read the whole book if we could, we but, can't do that. <laughs> but we can't do that. But I do want to talk a little bit about. Well, Kind of what happens next? The, the, okay, okay, right, sure. Just in this book, right? In the Korea, yeah. yeah. So the first, um, the first soul that comes up to Odysseus is yeah. Elpinor, right? And yeah. and this is coming back to what you were saying uh, yeah. earlier about okay. kind of the more dead you are, the yeah. then you you fade over time, right? I got you. Okay. Yeah. So Elpinor is was one of Odysseus's men. And when they were at Circe's palace, mm-hmm. he had been, I think when they were trying to f- find out what had happened to Odysseus' men, he was spying or something, and he fell off yeah. Circe, the roof of Circe's yeah. house or palace. He drunk. Yeah. Um, and nobody noticed. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of makes me go, okay, so Odysseus, you didn't do a roll call before you left? Like, <laughs> he's busy. <laughs> I know, but come on. Like, this is like, yeah, you I know, understand. if this were a school trip, yeah, we'd he'd be in big kid. trouble yeah, he'd be left for behind. losing this kid. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway, just a little comic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so he's still alive. He, alive-ish. Yeah. Alive-ish. He's mm -hmm. still him. Mm -hmm. um, he has some identity still. He, um, we had left his body behind in Circe's palace unburied and unwept. Right, right. And Odysseus breaks into tears at the sight of him and pities him and speaks to him. Yes. Elpenor, how did you come here beneath the fog and the darkness? You have come faster on foot than I could in my black ship. Right. So I spoke, and he groaned aloud and spoke and answered. And so Elpenor is still so freshly dead that mm -hmm. he doesn't need to drink the blood to be reanimated. Mm -mm. He's mm -hmm. still... He's, he's brand new. He's brand new. Yeah. And then he explains that... Um, the evil will of the spirit and the wild wine bewildered me, and he was on the roof, and he went to get down. Yeah. By the, he tried to climb down the ladder, and he fell off the edge, and his neck was broken. Yeah. Out of its... Oh, I love... I'm going to read this description. And, okay. But blundered straight off the edge of the roof so that my neck bone was broken out of its sockets, and my soul went down to Hades. Yeah. And then Elpinor asks him... Nice quick death. Yeah. I just like the description of it. Yeah. His neck bones were broken out sure, of their sockets. Yeah. Um, and he asks Odysseus, uh, please, uh, please uh, go back and bury me. Yep. Remember me. Yeah. Give me, so burn me there with my, with all of my armor. Give me a, give me a, a, a grave mound so that people will know me and remember me totally. and when he was alive. So he's, so he asks for a proper, a proper, proper burial. burial to give yeah. him rest, right? Mm -hmm. That whole idea of, of, yeah. It's the function um, of the living yeah. to successfully transition the dead into exactly. the, the, the There's responsibility. Yes. You know, burial practices are important, and we, we see it here, right? That's what he wants. He, you know, of course, he wants to be remembered, and he wants to be included in the roll call of heroes and all the great stuff that's on there. Uh, and like, like he says himself, you know, he's, he's very close to Odysseus in time, right? Because mm -hmm. that's one of the, and, and in space, really. Yes. Right? Because Circe's Island is not like, a stone throw away from Athens or anything. It's way the hell yeah. out there too, yeah. right? It's one of the last stops on your mythological, you know, <laughs> Odyssean world tour, right? Yeah. So if you go from Phaeacia, I think it was Phaeacia. Was it Phaeacia? No, it wasn't Phaeacia. No. Circe's no, Island is, uh, I can't recall. Aye, aye. It's all vowels. <laughs> right. Aye, aye. And uh, you go there. And then you go to and the then, Yeah, and they've been... Um, Circe, Circe sent them in their ship with yeah. a wind. Like, it was like autopilot. They mm -hmm. And Odysseus says, like, we just sat there and the ship just went to where yeah. it needed to go. Right. But it was a full day's journey. But then, um, who knows how fast they were going. So sure. they're beyond, beyond yeah, Circe. Yeah, they're way out there. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. way out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next person he sees is Anticlea. And that yeah. is actually his mother. Mama. But he still does not break down and let her drink of the blood. And right. I think that would be a really hard one. You know, like he sees his mom. I, yeah. He didn't Good even point. know that she was dead. No, it's a, it's a shock. That's why I was she, saying yeah. you don't know what you're going to see. Yeah. Um, and he is, um, but, and he says, even so for all my thronging sorrow, I would not let her draw near the blood until I had questioned Tiresias. Yeah. Um, so he's got to be really in command. And then, of course, Tiresias comes. They, they try to embrace. They, yeah. Doesn't uh, work. I was going to get to that. Okay. Right. <laughs> Tiresias comes. They have their um, drinks of drinks the blood. Um, 
and they talk yeah. about what they need to do. Get your interview. He yeah. gets he gets warnings about some things that are going to come up. Mm-hmm. He, he's told that he's going to have to placate Poseidon yeah. at the end after the Odyssey um, is over. He's got to do do some things for Poseidon who mm-hmm. he has ticked off. <laughs> um, and then he's after that, godly adversary. Yeah. Um, Tiresias tells him. I will tell you and put it in your understanding. Any one of the perished dead you allow to come up to the blood will give you a true answer. Yes. But if you begrudge this to anyone, he will return to the place where he came from. So See. Odysseus can now now knows that it's safe to let some of the people he wants to talk with drink of the blood. And at that point, his um, mother comes and drinks the blood. And Absolutely. he tries, as you said, he tries to embrace you. And they're both kind of confused to see each other there. She doesn't know what he's doing there, and he doesn't know what she's doing there. Um, it's a lamentable moment. It's it's a, it's it's a, a really it's a tragic. That, but I will add one other thing: that just before that mm-hmm. is the notion that not only is there great knowledge amongst the dead, but if you do the rituals properly, the knowledge that they give you, this form of divination, this this necro- necromantic power, true and accurate, is true. Right? Yes. So the dead won't lie to you if you do it right. Yes. Right? And Anticlea offers him some really valuable information because he doesn't know what's happening back in Ithaca, mm-hmm. but she's able to tell him what was happening up to the time of her death. Sure. And she said, at that point, Telemachus is running things, Persephone's yeah. waiting for you. Yeah. So I think that's got to be kind of encouragement. It is. Um, yeah, it's a good his, his father is still there and Dad's still alive. alive and, yeah. and it was this grieving of this longing for Odysseus, um, old age and c- combined with this longing for his homecoming, um, that was the reason that, that she perished. It's she depression. tells him that, yeah. It's, 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 she she wastes away. Yeah. She walks into the surf, I think, and drowns herself. So she spoke, but I, pondering it in my heart, yet wished to take the soul of my dead mother in my arms. Three times I started toward her, and my heart was urgent to hold her, and three times she fluttered out of my hands like a shadow or a dream, and the sorrow sharpened at the heart within me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's just a sad one. Yeah, they can't touch. Yeah, and yeah. So as she provides um, pr- um, inf- information about being dead to him, like this is this is yeah. what you're like when 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 you're dead. That your your body, your your soul flitters away yeah. and 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 flies away. Right. And then I'm not going to go through the whole book. No. Um, but I I did want to touch on that because it is such a poignant scene um with well, life life and death meeting together there it's informative of the unlife of the underworld yeah. right and he's able to get information from other people as well like he finds out um what happened to agamemnon and clytemnestra totally. and that's a warning story for him mm-hmm. um he sees you know what i like about the um, about the extensive interviews that are in there of mm-hmm. course you get agamemnon you get achilles you get ajax he sees then great heroes from himself with yeah all those things are very are very important about painting a painting a powerful picture of of the underworld of what the underworld mm-hmm. is like the community of the dead. One of the things that strikes me too is that the power of emotion is something that even amongst the dead can still persist. So honor and kleos and and great grievances or feelings of retribution or injustice resonate amongst the dead, right? Yeah. So if 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 you lived a normal life that you didn't really do much of anything and you were a, really a nobody, then that, that sort of that doom of the underworld is something that 
doesn't it's, it wouldn't really frighten you too much. It's to go into oblivion, right? Yeah. But these great heroes that he encounters, these these comrades in arms that he that he speaks to, these great kings, th- their passion is still is activated in the underworld. Mm-hmm. Like Ajax is still upset with Odysseus when he sees him. He won't even speak to him. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He and turns away from he him. He turns away from him, right? And and Agamemnon is still honored amongst the dead, mm-hmm. right? And so that means that even it, it, there's there's a there's a degree of honor that the dead as a community recognize, right? He seems to have a sort of power and authority even in the underworld when he when he speaks to Odysseus and he approaches him, he wisps away all those ghosts. Remember, the Agamemnon himself says he he's like walking through a cloud, right? Because mm-hmm. all those other those those ghostly women they shriek and run from him, right? And it's that's so there's a there's a power there. There's a hierarchy for these great men still in the underworld that that still does. It still remains for some while for some time like a residue, right? And then it's going to take some time to, what was the, how did we describe it before? To, to fade away. Fade away. Yeah. yeah to fade away. Yeah. Right. You know, that, that's the type of thing the light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. Those types of analogies, yeah. right? Even in the, in the, unde- amongst the dead, right? Mm-hmm. Those things still work in this type of vision in this Homeric vision, right? It's very well, informative. And it's, it's interesting, too. I was just skimming through to see if I could find that line that you were were referring to there, and it's not jumping out at me. Oh, Agamemnon stuff, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of women that he talks about seeing. Totally. And I think that that's very... I, I hadn't really paid paid attention yeah. to, to that before, but yeah. as as he goes through his, his catalog and yeah. he gives All little... All and maidens and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that preoccupation with... Um, with with women, sure. There too. Yeah. Well, the association with Agamemnon too, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so that would be interesting to think more about, but not right now. <laughs> but not, not right at this time. So <laughs> yeah. that's Odysseus's little. Trip and of course, to... of course, Achilles. I think we might just have yes. to say Achilles. Oh, did I thought I mentioned? No, him. We, okay, we, yeah. we do. He does. Just he says to he meets Achilles, of course, and and you get the. Although I was talking about you know all this stuff where you still have power and authority and some sort of resonance of Kleos or whatever, Achilles himself lays it out and says, "Listen, it, <laughs> that might be true, but I'd rather be alive, right? Yeah. To, to paraphrase, I'd rather be alive and, and be a, 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 a slave, right? Uh, to be you know than than to be king of all these dead because there's no honor here, right? There's there's no there's nothing here, and the only thing that gives him Achilles some uh, a modicum of peace, right, mm-hmm. is the notion, right, that his son is still alive and that he was a great warrior and well distinguished, right? So that's it, right? The ties from the dead to the living, the ties from the living to the dead. And Odysseus is alive and he sees his, his war buddies that are down there, right? And he's the only survivor. That's got to be jarring. Can you imagine that, right? Yeah. Right? He's the sole survivor. And, and and he's got to get back home. And this this whole interlude too, this whole necusis, this this um, shamanistic quality of Odysseus adds another sort of layer to him as the complicated hero. Right? These guys not only, of course, are they great warriors and great public speakers and, and, and ferocious men of, of intellect and authority, but they're also uh, like Odysseus, for example, is kind of uh, very cunning. Right? Of course, a trickster. 
character, a folk tale, folklore type quality, but also shamanistic, right? This knowledge that Circe has given him is very specific for this moment, this time and place, but the types of things that Odysseus would not easily forget, yeah. right? So he could use this again, right? He could use this knowledge again if he, if he ever needed to, right? Or in whatever other odyssey, you know, that was popular. So it's a, it's a Shakespeare, it's not Shakespeare, it's a, it's a shamanistic thing, I mean. It's like a... I found the Ajax passage now, now that we're done talking oh, about it. Yeah, where he just yeah. glowers at him. He just, um, yeah. Odysseus, Odysseus calls out to him and, and um, he's telling them how much, how much they grieved mm -hmm. for him, etc., etc. Yeah, um, sorry he, about the armor. <laughs> this is line 563. Yeah. He gave no answer, but went off after the other souls of the perished dead men into the darkness. There, despite his anger, he might have spoken, or I might have spoken to him, but the heart in my inward breast wanted still to see the souls of other perished dead men. Yeah. And then um, that's when he sees Heracles right. and, and these other these yeah. other people as well. So, so it's it's a wonderful book to read. It can be a little confusing if you are not familiar with the Odyssey because there are spots. Um, Odysseus is. We're reading Odysseus telling this story yeah. at the court of the Phaeacians. Yeah. And there's a couple of places where he steps out of his narrative yeah. and we step into the storytelling setting. Yeah. And that can be a little confusing if, if you're not expecting that. And you're just kind of like, wait a minute, what happened? Um, <laughs> but I recommend this yeah, you're, you're as speaking a good... About, yeah. yeah, you're, you're yeah. speaking about paraphrastic report. Yeah. And that's what, that's what this yeah. particular episode is doing here. Yeah. So there's many sort of narrative layers, and, and yeah. but you know, but it's worth. It's I always worth say reading. to my students, just blast through it. You yeah. know what I mean? Just like read it first, and then we can talk about, you know, who, what, where, why, and when, and where are we, and who's he's actually speaking to, and so on. But it's a well, great it makes, story, and it, it makes a great intro to myth because yeah. he meets so many characters from mythology, and totally. you get little snippets of well, them. Well, that Heracles at the end. Yeah. Like, what hero mm -hmm. in the canon, right? Can 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 tie himself through to Heracles and, and by meeting him in the underworld. This is a yeah. Homeric vision, right? So yeah. there is a, a Heracles amongst the dead. He right? meets these Tantalus. These Tantalus, all the great yeah. sinners, right? And and the and then he finally gets out of there. Because remember at the beginning we are talking about the green fear and the danger? Mm -hmm. Well, he distinguishes himself because not only does he go there and perform the necromantic ritual, but he loiters on the edge of the underworld for quite some time. He doesn't yeah. just get the information and get out. He interviews a whole bunch of people, and then finally, when confronted with this sort of terrifying visage of, of, uh, well, of Heracles, Heracles he runs. talks to him. Yeah. Heracles says yeah. to him, this is at the very end of it's the like, book, 615, yeah. he, Heracles recognized me at once as yeah. soon as his eyes had seen me. He recognizes him, That's yeah. like terrifying. Yeah, well, he and, recognizes him. Like, and, come full, on. and full yeah. of lamentation, he yeah. spoke to me in winged words. So yeah. that gives like Odysseus all kinds of stats yeah, right there. Yeah, street cred. But also mm -hmm. kind of, it's also kind of terrifying yeah, because is. this is Heracles. Yeah. Um, Look at how it describes what's about to occur just before he gets out of there. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Heracles says, Son of Laertes and seed of Zeus, resourceful Odysseus, unhappy man, are you too leading some wretched destiny for such as I too pursued when I was still in the sunlight? Yes. Um, and then he goes through some of the difficult labors that he, that he had to do. Um, so he spoke and went back into the realm of Hades. Mm -hmm. um, but I stayed fast in place where I was to see if some other one of the generation of yeah. heroes who died before me would come. <laughs> still not going yet. And I might have seen men earlier still whom I, I wanted to see, mm -hmm. Perithuus and Theseus, yes. God's gl glorious children. Mm -hmm. But before that, the hordes of the dead men gathered about me with inhuman clamor and green fear took hold of there me. There it is, the green with fear. With the thought that proud Persephone might send up against me some gorgonish Just head of gorgon. a terrible monster 
monster yeah. up to Hades, up out of Hades. Yeah. So going back on board my ship, I told my companions also to go go aboard and to cast off the stern cables. Uh -huh. And quickly they went aboard the ship and sat to the oarlocks, and the swell of the current carried her, the ship, down the ocean river with rowing at first, but after that on a fair wind following. Absolutely. And you notice what actually gets him out of there? His fear. It's not only the fear, but it's the it's it's the confrontation with the inhuman monster. Yeah. Right. It's it's I can he's like I can almost suffer these inhuman dead. They're really bothering me right now, and seeing this Heracles stuff is really freaking me out. But at any moment there might be this hot blast from Persephone, and then this uh, monstrous yeah. Gorgon will just like come out of nowhere. The Gorgon right? doesn't come. It doesn't. But but, but he he realizes that that's a possibility. Yeah. It's like. It's the things that are in your head are more frightening than the things that are before your eyes. And, and yeah. Odysseus in that environment knows that it, what's down here, you know? Yeah. You know, like, I'm, only, I'm not even in it. I'm only at the edge of it, right? And it's, yeah. it's terrifying. And I like, the, I like all the, um, like mentioned of Proethus and Theseus and, of mm -hmm. course, Heracles, because it makes me, throws me back to Iliad and throws me back to Nestor. And Nestor's saying, well, you guys are really great, but you're nothing like the, like the guys back in the day when I was a kid, right? Yeah. And, and so now even Odysseus I, yeah. himself can claim that because he's, in essence, met them in the underworld. Well, not Theseus or Proethus, but he's met Heracles. So he's been included into that, that those group of heroes who... Um, have communicated or dialogued with the demigods or communicated or dialogued with the gods themselves, right? He's, he's added a generation to himself by this encounter. And, and you, know what it, you know what I mean? Like almost metaphorically made himself older. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's kind of like I could magically transform you into, into the generation of your parents, right? Yeah. Or the generation of your grandfather. Yeah. And, and then you would, you, would, you would be enhanced by that, right? Yeah. So now this is kind of some, in some way what Odysseus is doing because he's complicating himself. He's getting, getting more, uh, he's just becoming more heroic. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fascinating yeah. really. So yeah. read this book. We'll, we'll put a, we'll find an online copy and put a link up to, sure, yeah. um, on, 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 on the website. Yeah. Um, because it is really, and it, yeah, it's really good. Okay. Good. So now this is going to be a long episode. Um, we now have to look at. we've got <laughs> two more passages to look they're at. They're shorter. They're not. Okay. They're 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 not as long so, as that. And, um, I'm just looking. I got it. Sorry, noise. Move my pens out of the way. I can't help but make notes um, as we're talking about things in, in my book. So that's what that noise mm -hmm. is. Okay, so you had Ar Argonautica books three. Yes, this is the story of the voyage of the Argo, Line Jason and the Argonauts. Book three. The voyage is well underway at this point. They've reached. Aietes Kingdom, they've um, they've uh, sighted the Golden Fleece, but they have come to the terrible realization that King Aietes, Medea's father, is not just going to give it to a bunch of strange Greeks that say, give it to us, please. Uh, and uh, like many heroes before him, Jason has been wrapped up in the ill-conceived promise trope, right? Okay. Do this for me and I'll give it to you, right? Uh, but we know that's not now lucky for out. Jason, of course, of the yeah. beautiful princess Medea is lucky for him. Oh, L lucky for Jason, not uh, lucky for her. Oh, okay, lucky. lucky. Well, I would even say lucky for Jason. I would be like, oh, okay. For now, it's lucky for. For him. now, it's yeah. very lucky for him. For, I would say it, would, it might even been better had they two never them never met. He, well, he never, <laughs> but he never would have gotten the golden fleece. No, and maybe Jason just should have stayed home. Maybe he should have. <laughs> Jason, some days you just need to stay you in need bed. To, you okay? need to stay in bed, right? Don't go down to the ship, right? So this, um, 
Medea in the Argonautica, and we will certainly do more episodes on her in the future. Yeah. But we really see her connections with Hecate, so the goddess of the underworld, mm -hmm. so Chthonic. A non-Olympian um, goddess. Her ability with Pharmaca, which as in our very first episode when we talked about Medea, I pointed we did out a little bit, yeah. that Pharmaca is both useful drugs, but it, and it can mean makeup, and it can mean as well... Um, Poisons and yeah. magical concoctions and those yeah. kinds of things. Um, so, Jason has been tasked in practical magic. In he's got, he's got to do he's got to sew these uh, dragon teeth. Yeah, well, that's part of the challenges. Yeah, yes. he has trials, right? He Aetes has given him some trials, and uh, he has to sew the dragon's teeth, the spartoi, the his magic sort of teeth. If he puts them in the ground, uh, these men are going to jump up. Right, and he also has to encounter and engage the fire-breathing bulls at the same time. So it's the bulls. He has to yoke the bulls and plow a field with the dragon's teeth. So the two challenges are rolled into one. Right? So we it's, are going to read task. that passage um, from Book Three of the Argonautica. Right on. Listen carefully. This is the way I'll work your rescue. When you go to my father and he furnishes you with the deadly teeth from the dragon's jaws for your sewing, then wait for the midpoint that divides the passing night and after washing yourself in the flow of the tireless river, alone, apart from the others, wrapped in a dark cloak, dig a round pit and over it cut the throat of a ewe and sacrifice it, burning the carcass whole on a pyre that you've stacked up high at the pit's brink and sweeten with offerings Hecate, Perse's only daughter, pouring out from a cup the bee's hive-garnered produce. Then, when you've appeased the goddess, forgetting nothing, turn away and retreat from the pyre. You must not let the sound of footsteps impel you to turn, to look behind you, no, nor dogs barking, lest you abort the spell and yourself fail to return in good order to your comrades. Then, at dawn, steep this drug in water, Strip off naked and rub it all over your body like oil. Within it, there will be a great strength and unlimited prowess. It's not men you think of matching yourself with, but the immortal gods. On top of this, see that your spear and shield are sprinkled, and your sword too. Then you'll be proof against the spear points of the earthborn men, against the irresistible onrush of flame from the deadly bolts. But Jason, as soon as the stars of bright shining Helike the bear had declined, and the air was still in the high vault of heaven, went away to the lonely spot, where some furtive footpad with all that he needed, with all that he needed. He fixed every detail beforehand during the day, a ewe and milk besides, from some flock Argos now brought, brought him. The rest he'd found himself on board, but when he sighted a spot that was well away from the traffic of men's feet, clear to the sky, by the clean river meadows. Then first of all he ritually bathed his body, so tender and smooth, in the sacred river, and round him wrapped a dark cloak, once given him as a present by Limnian Hypsipyle, a memento of much love-making. A deep cubic pit he dug, a pit over the ground, and piled up firewood, and cut it, and cut over it the sheep's throat, and laid it out trimly on top, and lit the kindling with a torch thrust in below and poured on mixed libations, appealing for aid in his struggle to Hecate, the roarer. Then, 
his invocation made, he stepped back from the uttermost depths. The dread goddess heard him and approached the sacrifice Jason had offered. Her whole person entwined with terrible serpents and oak-leaf saplings. Countless torches flared and dazzled, and while around her a pack of clamorous hellhounds bayed shrilly, shrilly. All the meadows shook at her footfall, and the awesome wailing arose from the nymphs of marshland and river, all those that hold their dances along the meadows of the Amaritian faces. Fear gripped Iason's son, yet his feet took him away without ever a backward glance, till in his going he came among his comrades, and already high over snowy Cucaeus, early dawn rising, had cast her light. There it is. All right. Those are two so, two sections from book three. Yeah. Both so in book three. The first section that I read was Medea's instructions to Jason. Yep. Um, and that was um, 1026 to 1049. And then we went ahead and skipped forwards to Jason actually carrying out the instruction. And that was what... That's what I read. That's what you read. Yeah. Um, and we'll put the line numbers, of course, um, sure. in the and, show notes. And, the, and we said roughly they're separated by about 150 to 200 lines or so. Yeah. 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 So there's a bit of time passes passes between them. Right. Um, so in terms of the first part, Medea's instructions to Jason and um, a lot of similarities to well, it should Odysseus's. Be recognizable. Yeah, that's yeah. what I just want to say yeah. off the bat. You know, like this is separated uh, by, well, this is third century, right? Uh, uh, Hellenistic. Yeah, Hellenistic. And so that's like well, six, six, pick a date for uh, the Odyssey. Odyssey, we usually Let's say, say th what, 800? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. 800, 900, something. Yeah. something like that. So yeah. Right. Well, so, this is a, this is uh, so looking at almost the, like nine hundred years difference between these two works. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. A, that's a lot. Right? Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and no, would it be nine hundred years? No, no. So because it's only three hundred. Yeah, it's the Hellenistic. It's three hundred like BC. Three hundred BC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's only like six hundred. Yeah, it's 600, only six hundred years. But whatever. Yeah. Nine hundred sounds good too because yeah. we don't really know when. <laughs> nine hundred. It's a long time. Please do not <laughs> use our podcast to study for your exam. Science. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. I just say 750 BC all the time. Uh, yeah. Like, it's almost like automatic. Archaic period versus Hellenistic, right? Yeah. We don't really know when. Yeah. The, I mean, the Odyssey was years yeah. in formation sure. to you as an oral yeah. tradition. Yeah, and I can't so, just throw a dart in yeah. the middle of it and say that's no. what it was. So. All right. Um, we can have more so with Apollonius Argonautica. Oh, sure. This is an actual is, piece of literature. It is written as an yeah. actual piece. Yeah. Right. The yeah. other one is oral tradition, but this that, one is written yeah. down. It's composed for an audience of readers. Wow. Well, listeners too, though, right? Yes, because, because a lot of not, people would experience this stuff by, yeah. by hearing yeah. it, too. You would read it. So, yeah. with the... Um, description the the spell and the potions so we've got the night right the midpoint that divides yeah. the passing night so in the darkest of night mm -hmm. we have washing here we um yeah ritual some, bathing yeah. which we I don't gonna, have evolution yeah we don't have that we didn't have that with, with, Odysseus. with Odysseus. Odysseus but I will say that what we do have contextually wise which is slightly overlooked here is the idea of the great distance is still being used because yes. we didn't speak about where this actually occurs this is this is beyond the the Symplegades. This is on the outer world. This is this is somewhere in the Black Sea. Yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's, it's off edge, the hook. edge of yeah. civilization. Yeah, it's edge of you, civilization. Yeah. As far as the Greeks are concerned, absolutely the ancient Greeks. Okay, yeah, totally. <laughs> I just want to clarify a, that. A, um, and then even there, though, he still has to go off where there are no other people. So he has to be. He yes. still has to be separated and alone. He has for to this. be alone. Yeah. Um, 
So wraps himself in a dark cloak, dig around pit. So again, digging the pit, mm -hmm. um, cutting the throat of a you. A you. That it's sounds. So, I know. It just sounds yeah. so awkward to say ah, but and sounds wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Translation says at you. It is. Um, a, a female sheep <laughs> and enough. sacrifice it. Yep. So Odysseus sacrificed sheep. Mm -hmm. um, burning the carcass again. Odysseus he didn't had do his, that. but he had his men burn the carcass. Yeah, and that's a holocaust, right? That's the full sacrifice. That's not yeah. the other sacrifice. Those types of sacrifices. Are, are reserved for chthonic forces, yeah. right? For, they're powerful. When yeah. when you give it all out, right? Because, you know, the occasion for sacrifice was a, also an occasion to get a little protein a in the diet, yeah. too. But if you're committed to giving it all, right, then it means you've got something to give, and then whatever it is, yeah. you're really committed to it here. Yeah. So just like Odysseus had his men um, burn the carcasses and pray to Persephone and Hades. Sycia is the other type of sacrifice, okay. sorry. Okay. okay. Yep. And Jason here um, burns the carcasses and praying for Hecate, the goddess of the underworld. Sure. Or a goddess of associated yeah. with the Chthonic and with Medea forces. And with Medea, this is Medea's goddess. This right. is this is who she's tight with. Right. And with the in the with the ease, w with the ease which the poet of the Odyssey demonstrated a connection between Persephone and Odysseus, right? Which. Mm -hmm wouldn't be natural in many ways because the Persephone idea is kind of new. You would talk about Hades first, although they're talking about together, yeah. right? Yeah. And this this one here, the poet, well, Apollonius makes a connection to Hecate, mm -hmm. a non-Olympian goddess. We're out here in the wild place, right? And we're, this is magic, people, right? That's this her, is Hellenistic magic. Yeah. So this is this and is the, the Hellenistic right people loved, loved their magic. Loved their magic. Right? <laughs> they're like I'm the Victorians. Sure I'm sure they, the archaic they, they did too. They make me think but... so much of the of the Victorians though, because the Victorians were totally they loved all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Spirit, anyway, mediumship um, and all that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, then we've got liquids. Um, oh, yeah, we've got all that. So we've got honey. Yep. Um, that is mentioned. Um, that he's got to pour out to appease, appease the goddess. And then he has to walk away and not look back. That's and a very that's interesting thing. that's an interesting trial. We see that with Orpheus yep. when he's re rescuing Eurydice from yes. the underworld. Yeah. And he does look back. Debated why he looks back. Sure. But anyway. Um, and it also makes me think of this, the story of Lot's wife. Yes. Who's not to look back right. and looks back. So yep. looking back, very, very tempting. Mm -hmm. But not allowed. But not allowed. It's, it's, it's a, again, a, one of these mythological tropes, the power of, of the gaze, right? Yeah. And even looking upon certain things, the gods, you just don't want to look at divine forces, when they, especially when they don't want to be seen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's dangerous. Look at what happens to Acteon. The, t the circumstances of this are yes. somewhat different, but I would say they're, they're linked here because vision is intimate, right? Like, yeah. if I look on you, right, I'm, in some way, it's, 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 it's intimate, like, you know what I mean? And if the gods are not ready for that, or it's a requirement here in this ritual magic, you don't look. Yeah. It's simple. You yeah. just don't, right? Because if you did, God only knows what would happen. That's frightening yeah. what's described there, right? Um, and then kind of the second, the second half of, so that's kind of the first half that he does. Mm -hmm. And then his second half of his um, protection, to protect him from fighting these men that the Spartoi that yeah. are going to spring up when he sows the, sows the dragon tea. Mm -hmm. um, he steeps a drug. Oh, in supernatural too. So he makes like a tea. <laughs> makes a tea, <laughs> tea. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah, makes steeps a tea. 
um, and rubs it all over his body well, like oil. Well, this is this again. Uh, that's that's absolutely accurate and extremely true. This uh, herb that she produces from her um, uh, dress is the herb that you spoke of earlier. Uh, it is the Promethean herb. Yeah. Right. Uh, and and she what he does here when when I hear this this anointing and it's common right mm -hmm. we anoint anointed anointing is ritual right yeah um, but in the ancient Greek context too especially in this Hellenistic and, and even to some extent in the archaic this this is the very similar to the types of anointing the ritual anointing that athletes would perform on themselves they rub the um, sacred uh, olive oil mm -hmm. uh, it's called gloios on themselves. And it was um, a form of uh, common um, athletic practice, a, a, a common athletic pharmaca. It was um, practical, but also magical. And after you scraped it off, you, clept, you kept it. And, and it was infused with this type of magic that would protect you, strengthen you, uh, and assist you to be victorious in your, in your trial, in your, mm -hmm. in, your, in your athletic endeavor. Right? Mm -hmm. So when I see this too, Jason is anointing himself like an athlete would anoint himself for protection, right? Uh, and also for uh, well the supernatural quality of it, but it's it's again it's part of the whole complex of those ideas that are associated with anointing. Why they would do that, right? It yeah. makes him invulnerable to weapons. It makes him invulnerable to heat. Yeah, and it makes and him like a god. Yeah, and um, he's what? also um, in addition to himself, of, of course, he also has to anoint his weapons. Yeah, he has yeah. to anoint his weapon, his shield, his spear. Yeah. And, and there's some funny scenes after this where, like, they're, they're trying to test it, for example, and they're not doing very well. They're, Idis, one of the loudmouth heroes, is whacking away at, the so at his spear with his sword, and it, it doesn't work. He can't cut it, that type of thing, yeah. right? But Jason is beside himself with, with the power that he feels once he anoints himself with this, with this um, magical herb. And that anointing to become godlike is also a common uh, trope, a common motif that we see in the Homeric hymn to Demeter with the Mothwan, for example. His body is anointed with ambrosial nectar, right? Mm -hmm. With ambrosial fluid. So the anointing as a practice, right, is seen here, right? Um, yeah, so then I want to um, talk about Hecate's appearance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Was that in mine or in your section? I don't know. So this is from your section. Mm -hmm. Um we get the mention again that he's got the the sheep, um, and he also mentions milk here as well, um, which honey. wasn't mentioned. Yeah, honey mm -hmm. honey was mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. but now we get the, the the mention of milk, and of course we have this whole aspect of water and bathing and stuff right. happening too. Yeah. So all all of those those fluids. Yeah, also um, athletic activity. Yeah. Yep, and and of course the blood from his. Uh, his his victims. Right. So a cubit deep, then he dug a pit in the ground. Yeah. Oh, Sur surprise! Same, surprise! Same size as Odysseus's, yeah. and piled up firewood, and over it cut the sheep's throat, and uh, mm -hmm. lays it out, burns it, pours out the mixed libations, appealing for aid in his struggle to Hecate. So not not exactly identical to what Odysseus did, but he's not trying to do. He doesn't need what Odysseus needed. He's got a slightly different setup here because yep. he's trying to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, then his invocation made, he stepped back from the uttermost depths the dread goddess heard him and approached the sacrifice Jason had offered. Her whole person was entwined with terrible serpents yeah. and oak leaf saplings. Mm -hmm. Countless torches dazzled and flared while all around her a pack of clamorous hellhounds bayed shrilly. Mm -hmm. All the meadow shook at her footfall and awestruck wailing arose. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I like that description. And we've got we've got the serpents who yeah. are very chthonic and sure. they're not they're not always seen as evil. For example, they play an important role in the cult of Asclepios, who is mm-hmm. a healing god. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not necessarily a bad thing, but they're again associated. They crawl on the earth and then they s- disappear down into the earth. Mm-hmm. So they've got that connection with um, hidden things. Sure, and yeah. in, in folklore, they're thought to be ageless. Yep. Right, because you know you don't. Yeah, and they, they and they shed their they skin, so and so they're associated yeah. with with rejuvenation Absolutely. and that kind of thing as and well. Healing. Yeah, well, you mentioned this, yeah. 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 Fertility, magic. Yeah. The occult, things that are unknown by some. Right. Um, oak leaf saplings, I yep. thought was interesting. The mm-hmm. oak is usually associated with Zeus. Well, yeah, but it's, it's a pr- or is one of the associations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's a, it's a, like the pillar. It's like the, fil- it's a tree of life. It's yeah. the great goddess symbols. Mm, okay. So Hecate right. is also as a chthonic force. Zeus shares that. Remember, like all that stuff mm-hmm. with Hesiod, where he yeah. kind of gives her the job. Well, she had the job, and he said, "Good job," right? And then you they moved on to the thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Yeah. That's yeah. in a nutshell, I suppose. But. uh yeah, there's no reason why, uh, and th- that image can be shared. Um, yeah, Hikata so saplings, tree, tree of the life, yep. things growing up from the ground. Of course, I see the, that. Yeah, and the oak, the oak tree is a is a, well, you would know from your studies as well as a powerful source as an ingredient for pharmaca, the yeah. sap, the, the, um, the the olive, uh, the olive, acorns, <laughs> the acorns themselves. Oh, there's all kinds of things, right? Just the season of yeah. acorns. Okay. Yeah. Um, countless torches. So in iconography, um, Hecate, there's not a lot of myths about Hecate. Yeah, the torch bearer. Um, yeah. She kind of shows up here and there like this. Yeah. But torches are uh, one of the ways that she is identified Absolutely. in iconography, that yeah. she's she's associated with, Her, with the torches. Well, and, and I like that image because it's so Halloween, right? Yeah. Because like, uh, well, as a goddess of of occult knowledge and practices of, uh, of magic, the, her practices are nocturnal. This, this yes. is occurring at night. Yes. Like, this is occurring at night here. Jason says when the other Argonauts went to sleep, he, he, he knew it was yep. the time to go out by where the position of the stars were. The cosmos is informing when to go, and he sneaks out by himself right to this alone and isolated place to perform this necromantic ritual where he has to summon up a goddess herself, right? Odysseus isn't really there to summon a god, no. but he's there but to But he's also, I, deities. I think his thing is also kind of nighttime. Like, we're not told oh, explicitly is. that it's nighttime, but we're told I it's agree. dark and it's foggy yeah. and they've traveled all day. So yeah. it kind of is logically nighttime. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. You know what? This would make an awesome costume. We need to find a costume party to go to next year and I'll go as Hakate and you can go as Jason. How's Buy a that? giant bag of rubber snakes. Oh, oh! I would have so snakes. much fun with this. We'd have snakes, and I'd tree. I'm envisioning this. Yeah, that is cool. And Nobody I'll, steal that idea. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the other thing too is, of course, the oak leaves, and of course, the snakes are frightening and terrible. But again, Jason isn't isn't interacting with that visually because no. this is literature. No. We are getting the privileged position of being able to imagine looking at that divine of uh, that divinity ourselves and but Jason himself is not even privileged with that glimpse right no. he has to look away right he, yeah. well, he's he has not to allowed walk away. to look he has to yeah. walk away right so and but you hear the baying of hounds and the shaking of the earth and those flashes from this sort of torchlight yeah. all around it would be wailing wailing and, from the nymphs of the yeah. marshland and the river like mm-hmm. we're Nymphs are minor minor deities yeah. in, in in mythology, and they're not so happy. they're this is not 
They're oh. scared. They're scared. You know, this yeah. is not... Uh, in the hell they're, they're usually dancing. Like, that's what nymphs do is sure, dance. Yeah. When, when you they see dance them. well. <laughs> they dance well. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, a fear gripped Aeson's son, Jason. Yeah. Yet his feet took him away without ever a backward glance. Yeah, you know what that reminds me of too is, you know, during uh, Chinese New Year when they light those uh, the the lady fingers, the small little firecrackers okay. to like propitiate spirits. Okay. It's to like scare away evil spirits, mm -hmm. but it's also associated with like ringing in the New Year, and so it's the loud noises, right? Those yeah. triggering things. That's kind of what's going on there with all those flashes and snaps and booms and howls and stuff. It's you're. It's a, a multi-sensory experience, right, that they're trying to manifest yeah. in those few short lines. Yeah. But it is, it is quite powerful. So I think that was the end of, of your passage there. Um, <clears throat> and this ritual takes some time because he starts in the middle of the night, and then by the time he gets back to his comrades, the, the sun is the rising. The sun is rising, yeah. yeah. The, the first light. Yeah, it's like move through the witching hour. It's yeah. Right, like it's on yeah. in this nocturnal um, ritual. <clears throat> yes, yeah, so Jason follows the rest of his instructions from Medea, and then, long story short... He's successful in his Medea, trial. Okay, literally, the text says on mm -hmm. line 1305, mm -hmm. the girl's drugs saved him. Yeah, and, and actually, your line says, these are the things that I will rescue for yes. you. And, and I just we, want everybody to be clear who's <laughs> the... <laughs> and when you look that up in the Greek, they use that word soter. Right? Yeah. So they use that savior. And then they yeah. also say, they use images like the torches themselves, right? I will be a beacon for you. You remember yes. that? Yep. So that, the, Some that's, translations are a lighthouse. Right, like, yeah. yeah. And the, but the nautical yeah. image, because we're on, yeah. the Ar on the Argo and so on. Yeah. But the idea that even in the, Od uh, in the, Od well, in the Odyssey to some extent, but more, more in the Iliad, where uh, when Achilles laments what happened to him, what happened to Patroclus because he was not a light for his comrade in darkness, remember? I will be a light for you in darkness. I should have saved you. Where were you, right? Um, but uh, it, it's, it, all that's in there. And then, but this is great because it's being negotiated between a young girl and, and, a, and a young man, right? A Greek and a, and a foreigner, right? Yeah. So, um, so he, Jason, um, manages to kill all the Spartoi. Yeah, and she tells him... How did uh, he do it? The fire breathing yep. bull. Does he kill the fire breathing he, bull? He, he yokes them he yokes and plows them. the field. Yep. And then he sows the men and yep. they set on each other thanks to Medea's tactic. And he does yes. fight. This is his Aristia. Yes. This is his moment of excellence thanks to her, right? But yep. he does do what he's supposed to do and he performs brilliantly. And uh, and I believe he to works. to conquer the um, to kill the Spartoi, he throws a rock in their midst, and yeah. then they turn on, on each, each other. other. Yeah, Medea told him to yeah. do that. Of course, of course, <laughs> this, is, this is all Medea. Like that's but why he, he did the killing. You know what I mean? Like, sort, he well, went, he, he made them do the killing. Yeah, well, yeah, he, in the end. he went and finished them off. Yeah. You know, he, he does yeah. handle them. Um, you know his weapons and so on. So yeah. It works, but um, we don't need to rehash the whole yeah. Argonautica. We, no, we'll revisit no. it again. Medea, again, yeah. is a. I just wanted is, people is to important. kind of know how it turns Jason, out. Jason, of course, is, is fascinating for me. Uh, so there's there's much much to do about that. And the other thing, you know, I noticed that it, it, it's, it's a it's a a powerful theme in in this in that particular work. It doesn't really work in the sort of uh, transtextual way that we're discussing it right now. But Jason does wrap himself in the dark cloak, mm -hmm. and that dark cloak was the love gift of. Of Lemnia and Hypsipyle, mm -hmm. right? So we're as soon as he does that, he's again he's taking power from a woman, yeah, right, the and, female, yeah, and even in that ritual, you know, to, to protect him, to 
whatever. Like Medea didn't say anything like go put a you know wear this type of ritual behavior. But once again, Jason is 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 um, is he's sort of um, strengthening himself, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I find that great. The, I find that cloak that cloak is an extremely powerful metaphor for much of what Jason undergoes in the Argonautica. Okay, so. Yeah. Let's leave that there. Yeah. And it is now Spooks time for listener mail. Oh, yeah, we forgot. There's some uh, cool little Morse code, high tech sound oh, yeah. effects that's for our listener mail. Them. That's yeah. how we receive yeah. them. We didn't want to you know, let you see, but that's how we get them. Facts so machine. we had, I forgot to write it out, mm -hmm. um, but we did have some tweets from Ellie on mm -hmm. Twitter. So thank you very much for giving us your feedback on our, was it, I think it was the Pluto episode. Um, I'm, I'm falling behind here. Um, do we have any other listener mail to mention? No. No. Oh, but I do want to mention the hashtag hum casters. Mm -hmm. So some of us on Twitter have been using the abbreviation HUMCOM, H-U-M-C-O-M-M, for humanities communication, kind of like the science people use SciComm. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I believe it was even started a Twitter account specifically for HUMCOM podcasters. Yes. And there's another one for Humcom vidcasters, yes. I think, as well. So um, they're, um, we're trying to network with building other... Building bridges. Building bridges and networking with other people, um, doing all kinds of humanities-type podcasts. Um, so if you um, know a podcast that you think would like use to be a part of this informal network, use the hashtag. And, and Lots of, we want to cross-promote. To be um, honest, they can use MythTake hashtag too. Yeah, and you certainly, know, not. certainly use uh, the MythTake hashtag to, in, to get our attention. Yeah. Um, that's what we're using. We're not having a specific account at this no. point. But we did start the Facebook page. Yeah. So you come visit us at Facebook. There's a picture of us mm -hmm. on, on, on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you put up a little video. Did. did you put it on Facebook? Not yet, but oh, okay. later. Um, I put it on a Twitter. You, you put it on Twitter. Yeah. Okay, so um, that is another way to get a hold of us. Totally. Maybe, or share your thoughts. And we try to post some myth-related stuff up there a couple of times a week. Um, there's nothing real deep and no, um, pensive. Excuse mm -hmm. me, pensive there yet. Uh, and of course, there is the WordPress blog, alisoninnis.wordpress.com, where you can find all of our show notes and links and those kinds of things. We're as hosted well. on Podbean, which is searchable. Yep. So if you go to podbean.com yep. and type in MythTake, you'll find the complete catalog of uploaded. Yep. Podcasts. And we are on iTunes and Google Play. I haven't yes. actually tried downloading us from Google Play because I don't use it, but they're cross connected. They're supposed to be yeah. sucking us up. And. Um, Rate us on whatever platform, whatever podcast platform you're getting us Leave from, especially comment. especially iTunes. Mm -hmm. um, iTunes al algorithm, well, their algorithms are based not on the number of downloads, but mm -hmm. on your rating that mm -hmm. your listeners give you. So, give us pop over to iTunes, give us a Halloween gift of a five star rating if you haven't <laughs> done that, and do that for all your other favorite podcasts too, especially um, especially us little guys who uh, five star who need pentagram the extra... for the Halloween. <laughs> oh, for the Halloween okay. Date. Well, no, okay. <laughs> Now, next you're going to be telling us Magic to, like, circle. dig dig a pit. Dig a pit. And, no, no, okay. I'm going to drink my wine. I'm okay. not, I'm not wasting right. it. That's one way of getting it. <laughs> All right. So have a happy Halloween, and we'll see you again probably in another couple of weeks with of another episode. And Stay uh, safe. 
stay safe, stay spooky, yep. and um, enjoy the dark in November. Have a good night. Good night.